Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn. Hour two on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. We're going to talk some NFL coaching carousel, some more little Longhorn notes, and of course the text line, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number, whatever you guys want to talk about. We're also asking you the question of the day, the poll of the day. What is your favorite trade of all time? We did see the trade of Pascal Siakam today. He is traded to the Indiana Pacers for Bruce Brown and three first-round picks is the main point of that trade. Uh, so we saw that trade. So I'm asking, what was your favorite trade? Because we asked you what your your least favorite trade was a few uh, last week, I believe. We asked you about that. And so what's your favorite trade? A little more positive on a Wednesday. It's Wednesday. we got to be positive on a Wednesday. You know, got to get through the day, through the week. The sun is back out and it's, you know, not freezing anymore. We don't have to deal with walking through every room, hearing drips, and then worrying for a second before we realize that we drip the pipes ourselves. We don't have to do that anymore, at least until, I think, tomorrow night or something like that. Uh, so, Good on you. It's supposed to be, what, 70 tomorrow? We get there. We get into the real Texas weather, freezing for two days, and then 70. Out, everybody out in their shorts and shorts and T-shirts walking the dogs. Let's get into it. A uh, little Texas news for you here uh, to start. Uh, if you missed the news la- yesterday, it came in at the end of our show. Texas got a, re- a, a commitment from the, the Oregon State wide receiver Silas Bolden. Uh, speedster from Oregon State. Put up really good numbers. I uh, would not expect him to be a one of the top uh, targets for Sark in this offense, uh, but could be used in some different packages and is definitely going to be a big part of the special teams game and returns. We could see him get used some depending on what he does and the trust and if he's going to be able to block, but uh, we could see him in end rounds of different you know types of units there with uh, with Texas, but I think he wants to come play at a bigger school, show what he can do, and get a little bit more uh, film on tape with top guys for the NFL and, you know, with all these guys at wide receiver, you don't know who's going to be the guy or not until you get him out on the field. Uh, they also get a commitment from Kendrick Blackshire, the linebacker from Alabama. Uh, another commitment there for Texas uh, to give you some help, especially uh, Blackshire is going to be good in that run game. Will be a big pickup for Texas to help it that uh, defending the run. You know, now that you don't have Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, you may need a little bit more help from those linebackers. Blackshire could be a help in that. Uh, we also can note Alabama safety Caleb Downs is into the portal. Uh, one of the top safeties in the game is going to be a sought-after target. We know he is talking to Texas. We know he's talking to Georgia. We know he's talking to Ohio State uh, as well as other schools. So we will see who he ends up uh, getting real interest from. And I mean, all those people. He's one of those guys who can probably pick where he wants to go. Uh, so we'll see if he decides that maybe he wants to come play for Sark or if he wants to come down uh, to Texas and be a part of a new look secondary, what it looks like it's going to be uh, in 2024 for Texas. And another note, the Buckeyes, Ohio State Buckeyes, have hired AM's 
former AD Ross Bjork, a AD who made the great Jimbo Fisher hire and firing. But uh, I can tell you this, if you want to underperform and still raise from your boosters, there may be no one better than Ross Bjork. So that is why I think he gets the job in Ohio State. But uh, the the uh, Aggies now looking for another AD, and I'm sure it's going to be the search. We'll start with uh, how can you get us uh, to never play Texas again because we can't play Texas anymore. There is apparently talks that they want to now go to the Big Ten to get away from us again. They just can't stand it. That we're the, it's it's. it's it's not a good look, ain't it? Not a good look. Uh, text line's going 512-447-3776. If you guys want to text in, we're also asking about what is your favorite trade, but anything else you guys want to talk about, send that in. 512-447-3776. Uh, texter says, will we get downs? Uh, I would not put it. I would not put heavy money on that one. Uh, I know that our secondary hasn't been producing the necessarily the top talent when you saw Catalan and Ryan Watts, and they played, you know, Ryan Watts at least played a lot of snaps. Catalan probably didn't at that safety position. You know, he's a better player. He's going to be in a better position. But I think that he may, you know, if you're looking for where you may be going, uh, an Ohio State or a Georgia, Georgia is probably, I would say, the front runner would be my guess is if they want to bring him in to a really good Georgia program that is, you know, he's a plug-and-play guy you can put in there. Uh, that's where I would assume would be his top place, but you never know. You never know, and I, I don't know the kid personally, so I can't tell you uh, if he where he would want to go. Uh, right guy from New Mexico says, apologize, I just got to my truck and turned on the radio. No need to apologize, right guy. Uh, so might have mentioned this. What's the latest with DeAndre Robinson, and do you think we'll go after Proctor from Alabama? Uh, DeAndre Robinson, all I've seen is that we've Texas has released him from his letter of intent. Uh, he wanted to come play for Bo Davis. Bo Davis is now at LSU. So I've not heard uh, him opening up his recruitment to wherever he's going now, uh, but I would assume it will not be Texas. He has been let out of his letter of intent, and he did not report early to Texas. Uh, so it would most likely was a deal that Bo Davis, they've not hired their new D-line coach. When they do, they may get another run at him and another shot at getting him, but they need to hire another D-line coach to get it. He's not going to come when he doesn't know who his position coach is going to be, and I understand that. Uh, it's unfortunate. And do you think we'll go after Proctor from Alabama? Of course we'll go after him. I think Texas is calling a, a lot of these guys, and especially Alabama guys, because they come from the same culture as Nick. You know, Sark wants to recreate a lot of that Alabama culture at Texas, and the Nick Saban kind of thing. So he knows the players that are there. It, it's a lot easier to trust than players from some other schools where it may be more about NIL, it may be more about some other things. Uh, so I think they'll go after him. Everything I've read is the people who feel most confident is they think Iowa thinks he's going. He might come home to Iowa and go play there. So I I haven't heard if Texas, but I know Iowa fans uh, believe they may get a shot at him. Texter says twenty seven days till pitchers and catchers report. Getting ready for baseball, and again, uh, Texas men's basketball is pure garbage. Come on now, it's not. It's just not. Uh, I know they lost to West Virginia. didn't look good. Hopefully they get a win tonight over UCF. Hopefully they look better tonight. Uh, but again, just want to put it out there. The Texas Tech loss. Texas Tech is the only undefeated team in the Big 12 right now. They're playing a big game against Houston tonight. But the Texas Tech loss, no one in the Big 12 has beaten them yet. It's not like this is the worst team. I, I know you don't want to like that. I, I don't know. I mean, just don't watch Texas basketball then. But to just be to say they're pure garbage is a, is a lazy take. It's a lazy take. Uh, they played really bad against West Virginia. There's talent on the team. 
uh, they can play a lot better than they played. I can agree with all of that. But pure garbage is a lazy take. Uh, let's get to some NFL talk. The coaching carousel is spinning still. Uh, we can go into Jim Harbaugh. And the news that came out about Jim Harbaugh yesterday, which makes everybody believe that he is really trying to get an NFL job. And this is his way of kind of making it okay to leave Michigan, that they did not give him everything he wanted. And he can kind of, you know, at least convince himself or convince whoever he feels he needs to convince that uh, this is the right thing for him and that he is he's making the right decision to uh, go ahead and take off for an NFL job that he is apparently asked in his Michigan contract that if he were to be suspended for any findings from the NCAA or anybody else, that if he was suspended or had to have sanctions or anything else, that it would not affect his contract. He could not be terminated because of suspensions. He could not lose pay because of suspensions. Basically giving him an ironclad, I can cheat and it doesn't affect me at all type of attitude that Jim Harbaugh could have, which he kind of already has a little bit, uh, and not super mega cheating. I know people think he cheated more than he did, and people always want to blame everybody, and I, I get it. It's just what it is, what it is today. Uh, but it seems to me more that he's looking to exit uh, Michigan, exit college football, and go for that Super Bowl trophy. The two places he has talked to so far, he has, of course, interviewed with the Chargers, who was a team that he apparently wanted to talk to last season and it wanted to go to, but they kept Brandon Staley. The big problem with the Chargers and the question for the Chargers, rather, uh, to see if they would be able to get a, a Jim Harbaugh is not can they afford Jim Harbaugh for a, a franchise that is notoriously being cash poor and a little bit cheaper. Uh, and there is the whole thing with how the money's tied up with the family because it is an inherited franchise. And so decisions don't all have to be made by the entire family, but most of the family wants to sell the team and just get the money and they don't care. But then one of the family members really wants to keep the team and thinks it's a big, great option and he wants to run things. And so it's just a, it's a kind of a messy operation there. So you have to deal with that. You have to deal with the fact that it's not just signing Jim Harbaugh and giving him probably the highest paid NFL coach is what he's going to ask for if he gets around that. Uh, but which, by the way, sign him to that before Bill Belichick gets signed or before Vrabel or whoever else gets signed, uh, or Mike Tomlin gets his extension, whatever those, whatever those numbers will be. But he's going to want that big contract. It's not just that. Then he's going to want to go bring in some assistants. And are they going to be able to go get these assistants? Maybe steal some from Michigan. Maybe steal some from uh, from Baltimore, from his brother. Steal some from different places. Bring in these really good assistants and coordinators that are going to be millions of dollars a piece there. So that's more millions of dollars. Jim Harbaugh likes sports science. And so can you bring in the analytics and the sports science teams and the, the right training and all of this? Can you afford to bring all that in? Can you bring in all of that? Uh, that is the question is can you bring in all of those and pay for all of that? So Jim Harbaugh is probably – less than half of the money you're going to have to spend at the end of the day because you're going to have to bring in, spend millions of dollars on all these other parts. That's the real question for the Chargers if they want to bring him in is do they want to spend all that extra money uh, to do that? The other team Harbaugh is interviewed with is the Falcons. The Falcons have really apparently are going hard on the we want to bring in a big-name coach here. Uh, Arthur Smith did not work out. He didn't right, have the right you know, culture. He didn't have the right fit. He wasn't getting the respect in there. The two people that the Falcons have interviewed are Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh so far. And I know they've probably talked to some other people, but they've interviewed both the big names uh, in this search for a coach. So the Falcons with B. John Robinson and, and now uh, Drake London, 
and with uh, Kyle Pitts and some really good offensive players. The defense wasn't bad last season. Uh, some good pieces on that team. A lot that you could work with. You do have three running backs on there as well. You might be able to deal one of those off. I know running backs aren't super valued, but teams always need one. They always seem to need one. So you can have some more players on this team. You'll be able to get in there and get a draft. I think this is still – I think Bill Belichick's kind of waiting – because there's rumors that Bill Belichick, some people may be looking to ditch a coach just to get Bill Belichick because he's available and they feel he's the best coaching in football. And the last few years were not necessarily his fault so much at New England that he was convinced to take a quarterback he didn't want. He was convinced to do some other things he didn't want. And so that's what uh, those beliefs. So there's talks that Philadelphia may be looking and saying, well, if we get rid of Sirianni, can we bring in a Bill Belichick? And the Jaguars, well, Peterson underperformed, but we weren't going to fire Doug Peterson. We think he's a heck of a coach, but we're not going to fire him. But if Bill Belichick wants to come down here, then maybe we look at it. And so I think Bill Belichick, the Falcons are a good team for him that he would be okay taking that job. But if a better opportunity arose where a Eagles team has a ton of talent or where a and he has respect for Howie Roseman or – uh, a Jaguars with a young Trevor Lawrence and a good defensive lineup and some good players and wide receivers where he's never been able to get wide receivers and he's got them there. Uh, that He might like that idea. If the Dallas Cowboys and his relationship with Jerry Jones and the, the team they have there and the talent they have there, that might be a position where he likes to go to. Uh, and, you know, in the Falcons, and again, we remember, we're, he's what, 27 wins away. So he's not three nine-win seasons away from being the all-time winningest coach. Where can he get three nine-win seasons easily enough? Where can you pick up three nine-win seasons? And you figure you could in the AFC South. I know it's getting better with Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud in there, but maybe in the AFC South you get three nine-win seasons. The NFC uh, South with with you know Baker Mayfield's doing great and, and what Todd Bowles is doing in uh, in Tampa Bay, but you're still going up against Dennis Allen and the Saints and you're going up against, uh, you know, a Carolina Panthers team that is just not putting it together and may in a few years, but they're still out. You may be able to get nine wins there. The Eagles, you're in the NFC East, which man, if Jerry, if he doesn't go to the, if Bill Belichick doesn't go to the Cowboys and the Cowboys just ride this out for another year and then get stuck with a bunch of contracts and don't make theirs. Where does Bill Belichick decide he wants to go? Uh, I don't, I don't think he necessarily needs to. So if Arthur Smith or if Arthur blank, the owner of the Falcons wants to really seal this deal with Belichick, he may have to go give him a lot of money and uh, you know break the bank of not just the highest paid coach, but higher than that. And I think that's the question of, is Bill Belichick just using all these other job opportunities as leverage? Is he calling up Jerry Jones and goes, look, I know you don't want me and you don't, I'm not planning to go there. And we, you know, it's not going to work out, but we have mutual admiration. We're friends. So why don't you just lie and say, you're going to you know, put it out there in the press that you're looking at me so I can go get another three or 4 million out of this guy. So I think that's where you sit with uh, with the Falcons and who could be the next coach there. Uh, we also, Mike Tomlin has now said that he is coming back to the Steelers. Mike Tomlin has reportedly uh, said that he will return for another season. Now, that's still all up in the air that if the right team comes along, if a, uh, if a Eagles or if a Cowboys, which would be the two teams I would think most likely would want to go out and reach out for a guy to bring some toughness and uh, culture and stability to their team, if either one of them reach out and say, well, we have you know, a pick 
that we'll give you or a couple picks to give you to give us Mike Tomlin and we'll get our new coach and we'll feel good about it and then we'll give him the new contract and you don't have to worry about that and you guys can move on and uh, your fan base will be happy because you got picks and they get to move on. Uh, that could be a, a, a situation still there. And, and finally, the Seahawks. The Seahawks have come out now and said they you know, the main, the main uh, factor in their coaching search is maintaining a positive culture that they want to bring somebody in to maintain a positive culture, which again points to Dan Quinn. And I know Dan Quinn's interviewing for basically every position that is available that he has been asked. He's starting to go on those rounds now, which, you know, he's now got the ability to because he sucked it up in the in the wild card round. So he's available now to get do those jobs. I don't know how much that hurts him. Uh that, you know, his performance this season. I wouldn't hire him as a DC right now, but as a as someone who could rebuild this team, put them in the right place, as someone who, if we're talking about that culture in in Seattle, he's the guy. I mean, that's he's from that culture with Pete with, with Pete Carroll, so that would still be my pick of where I believe he's going to go. We don't know where Mike Vrabel, who's another very good coach, where could he end up? Gerard Mayo did get that Patriots job, so that one's off the board, but where does Vrabel end up going? Does he take a year off and do TV? and take a year and, and decompress from it and go pick on a better time when he can go figure out where he wants to be and have a little bit better of a shot of where does he want to coach? Or does he go back into the game right away and say, I wasn't done in Tennessee? And, uh, you know, as much as I was disappointed, it was because of other factors. It was because that, you know, we just could never build the roster we wanted to build because of the people in charge there. And then I saw it differently than the guy they brought in, and it just never seemed to work out. It just never seemed to work out there. Which is unfortunate, but that's what it is. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and re-hit the text line, 512-447-3776. If you have any predictions of where coaches are going to go, we'd love to hear that on the text line. Uh, also, we're asking you for your favorite trade of all time. If you have one of those on the text line, anything else you want to put in, uh, 512-447-3776. We try to get to everybody's text here on the show, so we'll come back and get to some more of those. Give you another little replay from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob and keep the show rolling right along here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Who do you go 
Sports Complex here on the horn. Still playing some cold music for you. Some cold blood about Rick James there. Good stuff from Rick James. Man, it's a groove right there. Text lines open 512 447 3776 is the text line number. If you guys got something you want to throw in there, 512 447 3776. Uh, Texas played three Big 12 games against the bottom of the barrel. Stop it. You stop it. K-State's not bottom of the barrel. Winning in Austin's not bottom of the barrel. Look, we lost to West Virginia. That's the bottom of the barrel. We're playing UCF tonight. That's the bottom of the barrel. But if your bottom of the barrel is a K-State team, then you don't know what the bottom of the barrel is. It's just not. You can say it's not the top. It's not Kansas. It's not Houston. What if they beat Houston tonight? Are right, would are then if they beat Houston in Houston, they hang with Houston in Houston. But you just keep moving the bar that nothing Texas can do. If they went out the Big Twelve, you're going to say, "Well, they shouldn't have lost the game to West Virginia." You can't keep moving the bar. I get this team is underperforming. I get that, but to just say, "Well, they're either a top ten team or they're the worst team in college basketball," when Texas has not been historically a top ten basketball team program, they won the Big Twelve last year. They win the Big 12. They go on. They they get make it to the Elite Eight. And no, none of that's good enough. That was all Chris Beard's doing. He wasn't there, but it was his doing. Look, Chris Beard did a lot for this program. They, they, we don't have the Corral and the Moody Center and all of that. Without Chris Beard, I give him a ton of credit. He helped re- t- refix this program after it started to go and rebuild the program after it was down. I give him a lot of credit. The transfer portal, he's taught a lot of people how to do that well. I'll give him a ton of credit. But to not give Ronnie Terry any in this – and to continue to say that he's a bad coach because you don't like him is just it's just lazy. It's just lazy. My man Chan uh, says, uh, PD, keys for victory for the Texas men's basketball team tonight, if uh, you don't mind. It's UCF. Hit your threes, rebound. That's I mean, it's not complicated. There's some different teams that you're going to play that are harder. Hit your threes and rebound. If you shoot 10, if you shoot, what, 7 for 28, from three, you're going to have a hard time. If you let them continue to get second-chance points, you're going to have a hard time. They're not an oversized guards, uh, an oversized team at guard, so that's going to mean that you're going to be able to play a little bit better defense with Max Asmus and and Tyrese Hunter. Uh, they don't necessarily have the size inside. They have Diallo, who's a seven-footer, but he's basically a six-and-six six or a seven-and-seven seven guy inside, so just don't let him go in there and take advantage. You know, We'll see. If, we, if they get the benefit of the call, if they get another 30 free throws tonight – uh, then I think Texas is going to have to start worrying about how the how the game is being called against them leaving the Big Twelve. Uh, but I, I think that this is a, a tech, this is a game for Texas at home that you know you can start to get back into a groove of things. I'd like to see what the lineup that he's going to put out there is. Uh, I haven't seen what the starting lineup is, uh, but if I find out before we get off the air, I'll let you know what I see the starting lineup as. Uh, but yeah, this is a game for Texas. There doesn't need to be a ton of keys to victory because this is not a great UCF team. You should be able to go and beat them. You should have been able to beat West Virginia. I'm with you guys on that one. That was just a, a bad performance by Texas all around. They weren't ready for it. They were up there playing in the snow the day before, and they were, you know, they, they just didn't take it seriously. They thought they could, they beat Cincinnati and they got through the worst part of the season by losing to Tech. You guys, they're the worst. They're not a good team. We'll see what they do against Houston tonight. We'll see. Uh, 
but there's not, Chan. There's not a – we don't need a lot of keys to victory in this one. Rebound the ball, hit your threes. Because they got to be able to spread the court. And so if you can't spread the court, they're going to have to figure out what to do with Dylan Mitchell. Because he's, he's effective in a lot of what he does, but they are just playing so far. Just watch Dylan Mitchell tonight, how far off of him they're playing, and you realize the problems. Watch the guys coming inside and all looking for a rebound every time Max A. Smith touches the ball. That's not good for a couple reasons. It's not good because you're standing around looking for the ball. You're not looking to make a move. It's also telling that they think Max Aismas is just going to shoot all the time, which that's not always Max Aismas' fault, but you have to change that narrative. So all those things to look for. But, yeah, really? Rebound? Hit threes. It's not that complicated tonight. And I mean play defense, We, but that's you should be doing that every week. Uh, I want to play a little uh, recap from uh, E and Robbie going behind the burnt orange curtain. We all like to get uh, Rod's take on behind the burnt orange curtain right here on a replay on the sports complex from Hook'em Up this morning. All right, the uh, Longhorns add another receiver in the transfer portal. Remember Sark at the uh, press conference when he introduced the recruiting class? He, he goes out there uh, and, and un, unsolicited, he throws out, hey, we're not done. Yeah, right and he throws Christmas. out right before, yeah, right before that recruiting uh, press conference. He says, "We're not done, and we're not done at wide receiver specifically." And man, since then, like I said, they've added two other wide receivers. Maybe it was just Matthew Golden, I believe, uh, at that time. And now they've added Isaiah Bond and now Silas Bolden. Well, they also added Aaron Butler through the high school ranks. Yeah, you forgot about uh, yeah, they added Aaron so Butler too. Receiver yeah, for the high school. I'm class. just talking about like the transfer yeah. portal to feel the immediate need and the urgent need. They added two transfer portal receivers. Uh, and, and Texas doesn't add transfer portal guys. Uh, you When they add a transfer portal guy, they expect him to help them right away. Yes. Uh, the, the It could happen with the guys they're bringing in the recruiting class, but there is still time for development. Uh, there is still time for those guys to be on a kind of more organic uh, trajectory. There is no question that they're bringing in guys via the transfer portal. Just the way that Texas supplements their roster construction that way, you can even look at it. They're bringing in productivity and proving commodities, and that's what they're bringing in with Silas Bowden and Isaiah Bond. I just pick both of those guys to play right away we've talked about Isaiah Bond he projects to be a number one wide receiver wide receiver one he led Alabama in receptions last season let's talk about Silas Bolden we talked about him before and Texas has been targeting him for a while the Oregon State wide receiver but he is dynamic now he's small-ish we know Sark has a type, um, and he's a small-ish receiver uh, he's about 5'8 and maybe he's pushing 165 165, maybe. After Christmas dinner. Yeah, exactly. A soaking <laughs> wet kind of thing. Uh, but, man, he is. He's fast. That's one thing that these receivers that they're bringing in seem to have in common, even going uh, back to the guys that you bring up uh, uh, in this recruiting class, E. Um, you're talking about, well, you're talking about uh, Aaron Butler. You're talking about uh, Ryan Wingo. Um, now, you know, Silas Bolden, uh, Isaiah Bond, all these guys have top-end speed, and speed seems to be a characteristic that you know, Sark has always recruited, but he seems to be stockpiling it more than ever at the wide receiver position, and maybe Sark's got something up his sleeve, but this team may end up, this offense may end up faster than last year's offense, strangely enough, after losing Xavier Worthy, who is one of, if not the fastest player in college football last season. As a matter of fact, he was clocked by Real Analytics with the fastest top-end speed by ball carrier this season. Doesn't mean he's the fastest player, but in terms of top-end speed, they got him clocked as the fastest in college football. Remember, Jaden Blue was the fastest running back in college football. He's coming back. 
Um, but now you're adding a ton of speed, and I think that he's going to blitz opposing uh, teams and blitz opposing defenses with a lot of speed. But Silas Bolden, 54 receptions, 741 yards, five touchdowns out of Oregon State. He is he was their leading receiver, um, and I think he comes in and immediately cracks what I call the circle of trust for Sark's wide receivers. Not a lot of wide receivers can crack it. Usually it's three to four guys. That may expand this year. Um, at Alabama, at one point, you know, when he had those four first-round wide receivers, Waddle and Judy and uh, Ruggs and Devontae Smith, he had a four-wide receiver package that he implemented, that he deployed. Uh, he called it the red package. It was 10 personnel, one back, zero tight ends. It's possible, uh, you know, that just theorizing, that he could do that this season. You lost J.T. Sanders. There's a reason they ran so much 11 and 12 last year. I mean, you, J.T. Sanders should never leave the field. He's a matchup nightmare. You want to throw some nightmare fuel out there for defensive coordinators. You put that much speed on the field. There really isn't a way to defend it unless Texas, you know, misses a protection or they, you know, the, the Quinn is off on the throw or a bad route. Now, it in my opinion, at that point, it would be more self-inflicted <laughs> uh, wounds and it, reasons as to why Texas wouldn't be able to blitz a team with that much speed on the field. And uh, I think you may see it. Like I said, you saw it at Bama, but only because he had that much talent at wide receiver and he expanded his circle of trust. And why wouldn't you with four first-round wide receivers think about what a defensive coordinator's worst nightmare is and let's try to put that on the football field. And he did that with Bijan and Rojo when he started running that pony package. He was thinking, man, I'm putting my best players on the field. No defense wants to see the two best run, the, the best running backs, <laughs> the best running back combo in the country on the field together. And the pony package worked really well. I think that, that that 10 personnel package, not a lot. I mean, I'm just talking about sprinkling it in. I'm going to talk about making it your identity. He'll always be an 11 personnel guy. That's 50% of the offense. I'm going to talk about sprinkling it in as a change of pace. Yeah, that that is – because, look, last year's receiving core was really good. I mean, Xavier Worthy. Really good. But they each had their type, right, what kind of receiver yes. they were. I mean, Xavier was the top-end speed. A.D. Mitchell was the technician with the, yeah. the ability to go up and high-point balls Possession and body control. Guy. And Jay Witt was more of a running back playing receiver, right, mm-hmm. and uh, physical, uh, who can make those plays. and Blocking. Yeah, yeah, well, you're talking about putting four receivers on the field Kind of like like uh, Sark had at Alabama, where these are all speedsters. They're just speed. Dudes. I mean, you're talking if you're if you're going to look at uh, you know Jonte Cook and Matthew Golden and Isaiah Bond and uh, this guy Silas Bo- Silas Bolden, these guys can all go. These guys can all take the top off your defense. They're fast. They're quick, and that makes it. I mean, you're putting safeties on these guys. I mean, how are you covering these guys? Do you go four DBs and then you put a, re- a running back in the backfield like a Jaden like a Jaden uh, Blue? Jaden Blue. Whoa, man, that's a lot of speed a lot to put of on speed. a foot with a veteran offensive line and a third-year quarterback. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying, make a package for it. Where yeah. Defense coordinator goes, all right, timeout, 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 <laughs> timeout, guys, timeout. No, 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 no. I got We got to reconfigure some stuff. I thought we saw a linebacker matched up on this, you know, what I mean, on this Silas Bolden in the slot. We don't like that. So I just think there are a lot of different. Well, and that's the thing with Bond and Golden and Bolden, which is the law firm we coined last night. <laughs> uh, they, they are, they're all, they've already all done it at the college level, at the right, high college level, right? Yeah. We're not projecting that. Jonte Cook has to show it. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the, the kid from Alabama, Bond, I mean, that guy played in the SEC, SEC, put up big numbers in the Southeastern Conference, mm-hmm. running past the SEC DBs. I mean, we've seen him do it. I mean, Golden, the same thing. He torched Texas last year down at Houston, and then uh, Bolden in the Pac-12 had a breakout year this year. Yep. You're bringing in a lot of production that can really run. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's it's fascinating, and I saw. I want to make sure I get the uh, the tweet right, but I did see that uh, Jeff Banks 
uh, tweeted out, and I believe the tweet, I'm paraphrasing, I'll make sure I get it, was speed, speed, speed. <laughs> uh, Jeff Banks is the special teams coordinator for Texas, and that was after the uh, Silas Bolden signing. That's what he tweeted out. So he's, uh, he's really excited, and I think the reason that he's so excited is because uh, these guys, we've been talking about them in the receiver room, and they're going to be elite in the receiver room, but they also bring some elite dynamic returnability. Yeah, his tweet, uh, yes, it was in uh, speed, 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 exclamation marks behind him, times three, real return game coming soon, uh, then three uh, hook em emojis. So <laughs> he's really excited about the return game. Uh, you go look at Silas Bolden. As a kickoff returner, I think he was averaging over 25 yards per kickoff return, which is great. But he had only three punt returns last season and uh, had, a, had a punt return for a touchdown and averaged 32 yards Whoa. per punt return. Now, I know most of that probably came on one, but he's a dynamic returner. Matthew Golden is very similar. You look at Matthew Golden, kickoff return-wise, he only had nine kickoff returns and returned two of them for touchdowns. And averaged over 35 yards per kickoff return last season. He's averaging over 31 yards per kickoff return in his career. Those guys are some they have elite return ability. They just didn't do it a lot for their particular teams. Something tells me that Jeff Banks is going to have them returning a lot more. You're going to have Silas Bolden will have more than, like I said, he had, I believe it was three punt returns uh, this season. Yeah, he had three punt returns. Averaged over 32 yards per punt return and had a touchdown. Matthew Golden, nine kickoff returns. Averaged over 35 yards per kickoff return and returned two of them for touchdowns. The ratios there are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, the hit rate there is well, pretty good. I even think on Jeff Banks' special teams, you had you know, a couple of the fastest guys on the team last year, Keelan Robinson and uh, Keaton Crawford. Those guys were gunners on special teams. They were coming off edges looking to block punts mm-hmm. and make plays. I mean, speed kills in all phases, Rod. Uh, yes, and that's And Jeff Banks will utilize that. He's excited. Also, the other kid that uh, – committed yesterday Kendall Blackshear uh, out of Duncanville he's a you know he's a piece right he's a linebacker he's got a big body he can run uh, and he's coming here he even said I'm coming here to improve my draft stock that's what I'm coming to do he did say that yeah he's from Duncanville so he's already got guys that he's friendly with and knows in this Texas locker room Cam Williams and uh, DFW uh, DFW that's South Dallas Duncanville and so and he's a guy that's hoping to come in and compete to get in the rotation at linebacker where they're they're replacing the likes of Jalen Ford and uh, and some other guys and Jet Bush Jet 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 Bush is off to uh, the NFL so um, and and on special teams a guy like that who has been a a stalwart at, at Alabama the last couple of years on the yeah. specialty unit, so two more players for the long one. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, interesting. It's been a while since Texas, since players have been saying that, right, as a reason to come to Texas. Oh man, they give me the best chance to play in the NFL. You're like, what? Uh, say so what? Quickly, the narrative. Uh, yeah, because right? like I said it's. It, 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 I said it weeks ago. More than Alabama. It's gonna be really. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, what? Um, but it's, like I said, I said it weeks ago. It's really hard to negatively recruit against Texas right now. They're just as a as opposing coach coming in to recruit against Texas in the living room. I don't know what your pitch is. The pitch used to be easy. They don't play for championships. They don't develop guys into NFL players. You will go there. You'll underachieve. I mean, it's yeah. That that was pretty much the narrative. Uh, And now they are developing players into uh, NFL draft or prospects. It'll be a great draft for Texas, and they are playing for championships. When that's the case, I you know it can't be nil that you're gonna pitch against. You're not gonna win that uh, that battle against Texas. You're not gonna win that arms race. You're not gonna win. Oh, my college town is better unless maybe you're a USC <laughs> and you're in LA. I mean uh, that's probably one of the only college towns that's better than Austin. But there ain't many. 
So, and institution-wise, education-wise, UT is right up there with some of the best schools in the country outside of Stanford. There are a couple other schools that may offer you better, but they're not going to offer you the, uh, the the football experience, also the academic experience that Texas can. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think right now it's you can tell that statement alone tells you a lot about how quickly things are shifting. And I'll say this about Blackshirt. It, it's – um, I like him. He's not a guy that's gonna come in and my and pet peeing and be a starting be a starting no. linebacker for you. You don't even want starting linebackers like that anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, they'll get you in trouble because teams will just pick on them because they essentially run stuff linebackers. But why they're necessary tells me the coaches are smart about roster construction. Go look at the defense right now. You have a lot of hybrids that are uh, on their on their defense, especially in the back seven, right? You got. Uh, Anthony Hill, you can move around. Also, was a freshman All-American. Mo Blackwell is one of those hybrid guys. Um, you go look at the secondary; it's all filled with versatile defenders. They're bringing in Makuba. They're bringing Jade Barron's coming back. They're trying to go more toward versatility. That was the the key buzzword uh, during the recruiting uh, press conference um, because they want to get more versatile in the back end, and that's smart. But the downside to being more versatile with all those hybrids, look at Dan Quinn's defense, is some teams will decide to run it down your effing throat. They'll decide to go power against you. You know what? Yeah. To hell with all this hybridism. To hell with all this next-level positionless football. We're just going to run it down your damn throat. Do you have an answer for power? And hybrid teams usually don't. The, that's why the Cowboys drafted Mozzie Smith. <laughs> they want to get bigger. That's why Jonathan Hankins is so important for them. You've got to have specific run stuffers. And when you lost Leighton Vanderesh, lost Jonathan Hankins, and then Mozzie Smith underachieved, you lost your run stuffers. You've got to have guys specifically designed for that task. And Texas needs – that's why Bender coming back is big. All right, and that's why this guy is important. Because when you go up against teams like the side, you know what our counter is against your your very hybrid uh, built and versatile defense. We're just gonna run it down your effing throat. It was great when you got a Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. You don't have those guys anymore, so you're losing your top run defenders, stout guys up front. You're gonna be able to have an Alfred Cousins and Brian Brown, but you won't have the depth, and you're also gonna be at a disadvantage against run heavy teams because of how your defense is constructed going forward. So you need run specific defenders. Good stuff there from uh, Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie. A little replay here on the Sports Complex. Text line still open, 512-447-3776 is the text line. Uh, texter asks, what happened to Dwayne Aquina coming? Uh, they, you know, he was committed. Uh, they had the coaching change at Arizona. I believe they upped his offer considerably, and uh, he's believed to be going back to Arizona. However, he hasn't agreed to anything formally there. Uh, their coach has uh, come out, their new coach, and uh, let's see what he said today, if I can pull this up real quick. Uh, he said he's still working on his coaching staff but believes Dwayne Aquina is committed to coming back uh, to Arizona is what Brent Brennan, the new coach of Arizona, said. So he believes he's committed, but I guess that's not finalized either, whether he's deciding what he's going to do. Uh, but going back to Arizona is what it feels like is what's going to happen. But who knows? Uh, I don't know what offer they're going to put him at there and what they're going to put him at at Texas and what he wants and how much money and, and what position and the coaching staff, all that's probably still up in the air. Uh, random texter number 69 says, didn't get to catch the whole show today, so maybe we've touched on it already. That Todd Bowles interview question about the weather in Detroit made me laugh two different times today. Hope that reporter's boss doesn't go too rough on her on the end of day funny clip. Yeah, I no, I get it. Uh, I laughed at it too. It's hilarious. It's sad because, you know, I work in a field where our budgets are getting cut and cut and slashed and that, that – news company unfortunately she wasn't even a sports reporter and they sent her out there to go get some clips and she probably shouldn't have asked a question but she did and uh she did a lot of research and forgot to research if there was going to be a closed dome so uh unfortunately unfortunately uh nate says uh 
uh, because I'm awake and listening to RB, but I'd rather listen to you, hear the you than hear them. Uh, to rather hear you than them. I appreciate that, Nate. Uh, it's what we, you know, we play some of each, and we sometimes if, if we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about, uh, then I'll take over the whole show. But if you know, it's a Wednesday, and we don't have as much to get into. Instead of me repeating myself for two hours, sometimes I, I get a little uh, opinions from Rod and Aaron that we can spice up the text line and some of you talk about, like this person right here. Uh, Sark has a package, like you said, four wides in blue. Uh, called Top Gun Package. You'll see the sign on the sideline. It's a picture of Tom Cruise. Well, we know we've well, ruined the sign stealing. I don't know if this is Connor Stallions on the line. You're sign stealing over there. The Top Gun Package. We got to throw it out now. Everybody's going to know it. All right, we got to get out of here uh, and get to our last break. Uh, so let's hit this last break. We'll come back. If you got any more texts for me, hit them up on the text line, 512-447-3776. And we'll be back to wrap it up here uh, on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Getting out of here on a Wednesday, getting ready for some Texas basketball versus UCF, hoping that we get to see a Texas team that looks more like what we saw last season. Uh, my man Vintage Scott did text in, pay Akina. I don't know if it's about money as much as it is about title and responsibility. Uh, I don't know if he wants less or more or what it is. He was an analyst last year at Arizona. They may offer him a better position in that staff. Uh, this season, or maybe he wants less. Who knows what Dwayne Aquino wants right now? But I'm guessing he's going to get as close to what he wants as he's going to, as he deserves, as being the great coach that he is. Uh, we're going to hopefully we'll know more about that tomorrow as well. If we do, we'll tell you about it right here on the Sports Complex. But until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean, and we'll be right back here to recap that Texas basketball game and a whole lot more on the Sports Complex, 4 p.m. right here on the Hornets.